Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. Welcome back to the Birth Nurses Podcast. We are Shana and Liz, and we're starting a new series. We're excited about this one because we're going to focus more on nursing. What makes us nurses? What draws us to nursing and the profession of being a nurse? So we're really going to get into some spicy things here (laughs) on this episode and for the rest of the series too. So I hope you guys learn something and that this can be a conversation, not just us talking at you, but that this will open up channels for you guys to message us and email us and tell us what you think. We want to know how we can talk about this, improve nursing, all that jazz. So absolutely, Liz, what do you have to say about this subject? Well, when we were talking about doing this series, um, obviously nursing is an evolving profession. As Mm -hmm. we have more pathology, we have discovered more diseases, Uh, pharmacology has changed exponentially over the three decades plus that I've been doing this job and patients comorbidities are increasing. Mm -hmm. And obviously because it's nursing standards of care change with knowledge, right? We get some literature and then we change our policy and procedure and our standard of care based on that literature. So it is truly an evolving thing. So when people go into nursing as a profession, they may be one person doing one particular thing, and it might be an entirely different thing 30 years down the road. As nurses, we're not just cleaning up the messes. We're not just um, doing the, the dirty work, but we're looking at the whole person. We're looking at their social, emotional, and physical needs and spiritual needs. And addressing all of those things holistically. I think as labor and delivery nurses, we spend, you know, all, all nurses, ICU nurses, medical surgical nurses, we spend so much time at the bedside kind of getting to know our patients. Mm-hmm. And as in any nurse, med surge nurses, you may have patients for a very long time, many days or many weeks. We have patients on bed rest in labor and delivery, all labor and delivery units do across the land. Those are the patients we're trying to keep pregnant (laughs) rather than deliver. Um, So you do sort of take a deep dive into a patient's family and what they're about. And it's like peeling an onion. I think that the difference is, is in present day nursing, we don't really always have the time anymore. So we find ourselves Mm -hmm. having to spend more time tasking and using nursing diagnosis and understanding illness Mm -hmm. and keeping up on the different high risk 
uh, obstetric patients and yes. expected to understand how to take care of them and taking multitudes of classes that are expected of us and keeping multitude of licenses that are we are required. So it has changed dramatically um, in mm -hmm. our profession in obstetrics. And we know that our patients, um, uh, there's much significantly more high risk. Yeah. So it's changed. It's definitely changed. Yeah. Sometimes it's scary when you feel like you don't have the tools or the resources or the knowledge perhaps right. Right. to care for those kinds of patients, especially when we're in a specialty like labor and delivery. Right. And I know you started out in med surge. So what drew you to, to nursing in the first place and what keeps you there? I have to tell you, we talked about this. Um, I entertained the idea in my early twenties when I worked in the operating room as a tech in Cedar sinai while I was going to school. And then I abandoned the idea of nursing for a little while and pursued a much more Los Angeles cliche profession. I don't even want to say the words, so just you can figure that out. And then I decided I'm going to go to nursing school. I have the prerequisites and I did. And I ended up graduating really smack in the middle of a huge nursing crisis. And I was sent, I applied at UCLA and they sent me to liver transplant medical surgical floor. And I said, this is completely above my skill level. And I was terrified, but I had amazing preceptors and training at that hospital. And I grew to really love nursing. So I have to say, I'm going to admittedly, I defaulted into nursing because I thought, all right, this is so not what I envisioned for myself. I was a good student. I dropped out of school because I was going to do something else. And then I'm like, I need to get back into it. So I defaulted into nursing and I ended up in a teaching facility in Los Angeles where I got amazing training. And that's how I ended up in nursing. I know that other people have this heartfelt calling from, you know, the beginning when they were 10 years old, but that was not me. I hmm. grew to fall in love with the profession yeah. and it suited me. What do you about love you? about it? Well, yeah, I want to know what you love about it. Well, you know, when I first started, it was just sink or swim. I was terrified. I just didn't want to hurt anybody or kill anybody. <laughs> and um, I wanted to, my preceptor, I, don't, I hope she doesn't mind. Her name was Elaine. And I had an amazing, amazing uh, manager. May she rest in peace. And my preceptor said, you don't step foot into a room without me by your side for the first month that you're with me. And I, you know, my response like, was okay. like, don't worry. <laughs> no problem. Don't worry about and I met great nurses and they were very collaborative and their objective was to help me succeed. It was a different kind of nursing. It was a, yeah. you know, team lead nursing. And I, um, the first year, year and a half, I was just trying to learn this specialty because you don't really learn to be a nurse until you are at the hospital. We, yep. we talked about that in previous episodes way, way back at the beginning. And then it was the patients, of course. I mean, it yeah, was, the, it really it, it, the science was fantastic. Liver transplants were much different <laughs> 30 years ago than they are now. 
right? It was the, we had those patients for a really long time and we really got to know them and they were Mm -hmm. sick as you know what, do you know what I mean? So we spent a lot of time sitting on the bed, you know, pulling up a chair, talking to them, going through, you know, going through difficulties with rejection. And there was a lot more time. And then absolutely there were there was plenty of time where I just, I just, just trying to keep my head above water, but I loved the patients. I loved the collaboration and I loved working in a teaching hospital. I have to admit, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. always joke that I let a resident at UCLA put my epidural in. Uh-huh. <laughs> you did a Whoa. great job. I did. Good job. I said, Good I said job, you get two tries. <laughs> First try I did it. Um, so I, I have to say that I loved the collaboration of working in a teaching facility. Mm-hmm. And then of course, as your knowledge grows, you're teaching young residents that come in. Yeah. And, and look at always... that. They're yeah. scared to death. And you're four years in, and you're like, you don't want to really order that, <laughs> you know? Right. So when I went to labor and delivery, it was because I was a little bit burned out and I thought birthing babies, won't this be sweet? Hmm. Of course, but it's the patients. It was the relating. Yeah. When I went to maternal child health, it was like, oh, this is lovely mm-hmm. and it's scary and it's still that great pace, but it allowed me just to have something completely different. And I think that's what medical surgical nurses and ICU nurses and, and PCCU nurses and ortho nurses, when they make a change to our department, I think they're expecting something different than what it is, which we'll talk about in the next. So what about you? Yeah. What what led you to nurse? You're young. Yeah. How old were you when um, you finished nursing school? I So I took a gap year after high school, and I started nursing school when I was, well, I started college when I was 19 and a half. Mm-hmm. And... Then I graduated. It was a five-year program. I mm-hmm. graduated when I was 24 and I had already had my first baby mm-hmm. when I was 23. Before that, I knew I wanted to be in labor and delivery, but I'd say like mid high school, I was on the track thinking I'm going to be a psychologist or mm-hmm maybe a physical therapist. Like I knew I wanted Mm -hmm. to be helping somebody with their body and mind. And, Mm -hmm. and then this, we had this career panel at school and this nurse was there and she was explaining how um, nursing is so versatile. And she's been in all these, all these different scenarios, being a nurse, she was a flight nurse. She was a military nurse. She was in the hospital. She was in a school. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. So I started out, um, thinking I'm going to go into labor and delivery because I just had this excitement and passion for pregnant women and babies. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that came from necessarily, but Mm -hmm. that was me. So I started nursing school with the intention of going into labor and delivery, but I want to share a little personal thing. I have actually left the bedside and you know, this Liz. I recently resigned Mm -hmm. and it just brings back those thoughts and the confirmation that nursing is so versatile. I don't need to be at the bedside to be a nurse. I will 
always be a nurse. I'm going to keep up my license. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. I'll take yeah. my continuing education units. <laughs> but um, for now and for me, I needed a break um, doing my business, preparented, teaching birth classes, and I'm a lactation consultant now. So um, I wanted to focus more on that. And doing night shift with three young kids was too much for me. So, and even the one shift a week, I know a lot of people and even my colleagues would say like, but it's only one shift a week. I'm like, but it it impacts like two more days after my shift, like going to sleep before night shift. Like I take a little nap and then I would go work for 12 and a half hours and then come home and then I'm sleeping from like 8.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then getting my kids from school and then, you know, being a mom. And then the next day I'm exhausted still. And then I'm just anxious about going to work the next week because of how you felt PTSD about let's talk a little bit about that. I think that other than just specialties, when nurses go into nursing, I think the whole first year is trying to adjust to the surprise of -hmm. what nursing really is. You are part psychologist and therapist. You are trying to deal with dynamics of working closely with a group of people. You have to deal with administrators and managers and educators who have to keep up on licensures. Mm-hmm. You have, we have ACLS and BLS and neonatal resuscitation licensing and cert- certification. And um, we need to know how to deal with hemorrhaging patients, patients who have seizures, patients who are in trouble. There's a constant flow of education expected of us while we're working mm-hmm. and while we're not working, we're often expected to get online and finish classes. I mean, I'm on vacation right now and I've been doing what we call health streams. Um, It is an, it is never ending. Right. And that is a much bigger picture than I get to be a nurse. So Mm -hmm. if you're going into hospital nursing, you need to be prepared. So let's talk a little bit about what's expected of nurses. Let's just say here, 2021 completely different scene than it was in 1985 right I had to take a few classes and I had to keep up on my licensing of course and um but there was nothing like the amount of responsibility that I have in the last 15 years and especially right now every two years we have to renew our nursing license and then it depends on the certification like whether it's acls which is advanced cardiac life support or basic life support bls or advanced fetal monitoring for labor and delivery that's a certification with those certifications it depends it could be a yearly thing that you have to renew or it could be every two years so yeah it just adds up if you have them if they're all timed perfectly i guess Mm -hmm. then you would do all of them every two years and then you'd have this like two-year break at least that's ideal for me because then you're not having to keep up on like oh in six months i have to renew this and then next year i have to renew this it's just Mm -hmm. all at one time trying to get them all in sync yeah so that's helpful if you get them all in sync but there's keeping up with your 
education units, your continuing education units, renewing, and you have to pay money mm-hmm. to renew yeah. your license. And some of those certifications pay, some do yeah. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, you have to pay for the certifications too. And then going to work and full-time being three shifts a week, whether that's day shift or night shift. And, and then kind of being a workhorse. I, I don't know if you agree with that, Liz, but it, it feels like it doesn't end. And I know lots of people on the outside of nursing will say, well, wow, you're so lucky you only work three shifts a week. But you were just saying it's all encompassing of your body and your mind. And after a shift, you have to recover. And that's what my husband would call it, you know, after I get home from work, we'd call it my recovery sleep instead of just daytime sleep. Like it's recovery sleep. I did 20 years of night shift, 20 straight years, 1985 to 2005. And I would my my day after a night shift would be yep. trying to wake up at noon or one o'clock in the afternoon to have a life right um and spend you know then spend time with my son and then go back to work or try to be coherent enough not to appear exhausted all the time it's it's very wear and tear we have those nurses who are just they're like they do nights like a boss they are night people they love it they don't want to go to days they like the autonomy they don't want to deal (laughs) with the day shift bullshit (laughs) you know and every nurse listening is going to go oh yeah i totally get it i'm a night girl i would never go to day shift and i bow down to them i did it for 20 years but at the end i was wrung out and yeah. then after about three months on day shift, I was like, oh, so this is where they keep the light, you know? Like, right. Okay. Oh, this is what <laughs> <Right>. light is. <laughs> but um, yeah, so when people tell night shift nurses, oh, you only work mm-hmm. uh, three like, days a week. Quiet. No, they don't. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. That's not a doubt. There, there is a whole recovery day. Yep. Well, even for day do- shift, even for you. Yeah. I mean, you well, get home well at what? Yeah. Even you get home at 8 p.m. and then maybe you sleep, you know, 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. You're back to work. And then if you do three in a row that fourth day, I I can't imagine you'd want to really do anything. (laughs) Well, I have to say when I was in my 20s, I could, you know, take classes, work full time and I went to nursing school and I was and taking classes and doing clinicals. I'm like, okay, you yeah. know, we want to want to go out, right? You know? Then you're yeah, go going to Vegas, going yeah, to like trip. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I was young. Now, right. you know, you and I are separated by about three decades, and um, I still feel old. <laughs> so when people say that, oh my god, I'm so exhausted, or I can't believe this day, I'm thinking in my head, I'm so I'm so judgy about that. I'm like, oh girl, wait, wait, till, you're 60, wait till you're sixty-two. <laughs> so when people say like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm laying on my bed. Mm-hmm. contemplating, you know, what it's going to feel like when I stand up this morning. <laughs> I think another thing that's expected is that we're just available all the time. Like when we're not working, are you available yeah. to come in and work extra? It's like, no, yeah. I, I have a life too. I can't just work all yeah. the time. And there is, I wanted to kind of talk about this and we're going to, we're going to touch on this subject when we really get into nursing and, you know, you've all have probably listened to us 
hopefully our previous podcasts. I do have some feelings about hospital corporate empire and that that Florence Nightingale maternal archetype thing has gotten in the way of the evolution of nursing and how Mm -hmm. hospital corporations and physicians treat and um, relate to registered nurses and probably licensed vocational nurses as well. And we, we need to unpack that. But suffice it to say that you feel such a guilty pull mm, yep. to help. But then for me, the ramifications of working that extra shift can be, you know, two days of recovery. That, exactly. But I also have to grocery shop and take care of my house and yep. um, see people and have a life. Yep. To be fair. I have somebody do that, but do you know, I mean, there's still errands to run and things to pick up and groceries totally. to do. I have very elderly parents and, yeah. you know, to, and, and to um, deal with that. And I want so badly to come in and, um, but nurses can't, it's like, it's not that I don't care about the unit or my fellow RN. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I can't risk it because an injury to me at my age could me you know, several weeks out of work and injuries become much more prevalent with older nurses. And, um, the the longer, the more exhausted you are, the more injuries we sustain. Yeah. I have a question kind of backtracking a little bit since you've been in both a med surge setting and labor and delivery, do Mm -hmm. you see, or have you noticed that labor and delivery is more, like has more of an ebb and flow, more fluctuation to the patient population, not population, but the census, like how many patients are on the unit? Because in med surge, I would think that it's more of a steady flow because mm-hmm. you have these regular scheduled surgeries. Sometimes there's the emergency here and there, but um, with labor and delivery, you can't have a predictable census because people are going to go into labor whenever they're ready to go into labor. Right. That's what a lot of nurses who come from medical surgical nurses, and I keep referencing those nurses because um, a large number of the, the program um, new nurses for training that are coming in are actually coming from other departments, not necessarily fresh out of nursing school. Right. Um, and I think that, as we now know, they're very surprised at what labor and delivery is. Yeah. Labor and delivery is in my opinion, present day labor and delivery. And I work in a affluent area of Santa Monica. My patient population is largely well taken care of affluent people or, you know, and our units all over Los Angeles, because I can only speak to L&D in Los Angeles right now, are full all of the time. And the acuity of these patients is significant. And we are an OBER. The problem is the hospital corporations don't really want to look at that, or they can't look at that, or they don't want to budget us. I always say that, you know, we are the pastor child of the hospitals. Yeah, It's like, we should be, we should be seen as the emergency room walk in that we are. Yep. 
That is what's different. Um, I wouldn't even say it's different. It's always been that way. But the comorbidities, the acuity, the high-risk patients have become exponentially more yeah. increased over the last three decades. Absolutely. 100%. Our patients are older. I know that's a dirty word, high risk. People don't want to look at it. They don't want to be called that. Uh, there's part of our um, our community uh, support people that support persons in labor don't like to hear that vocabulary, but from my point of view, it is what it is. Our mothers are older, there's more diabetes, there's more hypertension, there's more previous losses, there's more uterine right. surgery, uh, there IVF. is all the IVF, the infertility treatments, yep. that exponentially increases risk, and we must look at it and we must respect it. Mm-hmm. So we should be treated like the emergency room that we are. And that yeah. people need to understand that's the kind of unit that we are in. So absolutely, this looks very, very different than it looked to me 30 years ago, 32 years ago, almost when I started. Yeah. Great question. So when management or staffing is calling saying, are you available to come in? It happens more often in labor and delivery, I would think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Be- instead of med surge because of that constant ebb and flow. Right. Patients coming in. Right. And Somebody just doesn't acuity. show up. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And the acuity that sometimes we just need more nurses to be available on the unit because there are nurses going back to the OR yeah. for certain surgical cases. So, yeah. I mean, we, we will unpack all of the things that have to do with the realities of how nursing works in a hospital setting, especially a large hospital system, also teaching hospitals and um, what we can do to improve maternal fetal outcomes, just quite frankly, having to do with, you know, with, with space Mm -hmm. and bodies and well-trained RNs and to allow nurses to really understand when you come from ICU and PCCU and ortho, we know you've worked your butt off and that mm-hmm. you are, but you should be allowed to shadow labor and delivery nurses for a couple of weeks before you come. So you can have your aha moment of, wow. okay, this is not a place where I'm going because it's sweet and to get a break, to get a break and right. to spend the rest of my years, because um, I think that's why we're losing that's why we're losing uh, some yeah. newly trained nurses uh, all over. They're just right now. shocked, They're yeah, shocked. that that they've made this switch and it's not what they thought it was going to be. Right, and I would like to keep those nurses. Totally, but we have to get nurses also into um, advocacy and uh, feeling like I want to make this work. I want to be. This is what I want to do. So I'm going to yeah. jump on the wagon of how I can help. Yeah. Yeah. And even as someone who wanted to be in labor and delivery from the get go, mm-hmm. I'm speaking about myself, mm-hmm. there were still days that I would go to work, still nights I would go to work and I would question, do, do I really want to do this? Why am I doing this? Right. And like you said, it was the patients that kept me there. Mm-hmm. But ultimately I was thinking about my, you know, my benefit risk of the mm-hmm. situation. And for right now, I need to be home with my family yeah. my young kids, but, um, but I'm not completely writing it out of the no. story. Maybe one day I'll come back Absolutely. when my kids are older yeah. or maybe find, you know, find a different way I can be a part of 
someone's birth journey, which right now is birth education. And I really love that. And with lactation consulting and going to people's homes, Mm -hmm. I still get that baby fix. That's why why I started Birth and Beyond. I love the teaching. And then you get to sometimes be that person's labor nurse. That's always fun. fun. I've done probably a a few hundred over the last 18 years. Like, oh, I got to teach her and then I got to be her labor nurse. And that is great. And, And then now at my age, I see my son used to joke about this all the time. If he and I were you know, or the three of us were, you know, out to dinner or walking on the promenade or just, you know, somewhere in the area. I live in a very walkable area of Santa Monica. Um, he said, oh, mom, that lady's walking towards you. And she's like, I think you were my labor nurse. And I oh, got that oh all my God. the time. And my son would just crack up and he's like, we never go anywhere. I'm like, well, it's a small community. It used to uh-huh. be. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, people who deliver in Santa Monica in our area of California, for those of you who do not live here, you know, it's kind of a, a small little area. And, and people do come from other areas, Santa Clarita mm-hmm. and down in South Bay and North Malibu. And people do come from other places because they love to stay with their obstetricians. And if right. they move, then they want to go with them. But it is fun now when someone says, I think you were my labor nurse. I'm shocked when I find out yeah. that that person's in college. <laughs> oh a, my gosh. It's a little hard to say. So, so yeah, there's all the goodies of being in our profession and we yeah. appreciate it. And we love it. We just hope this series can help nurses feel better about nursing and really yeah. understand when they change departments, what they're going to be doing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to interview some other nurses and their experiences. So, yeah, we hope you guys stay tuned and thanks for listening. Thank you. Have a great day, you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.